0: Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have a good friend, Cody Goff of outdoor 2 com. Cody, how you doing?
1: I'm doing really good, Jay. How are you doing, buddy?
0: Good. You know, I've had you on the podcast before, and I just don't think I could have you on the podcast without giving you a little bit of a hard time. Uh <laughs> My nickname for Cody Goff uh, actually is Wildcat because he went to that other school down there south of Phoenix uh, in Tucson, um, the University of Arizona. And so every year when U of A, ASU plays football or basketball or croquet or any sport, we t- <laughs> tend to give each other a hard time.
1: Yeah, it could it could even be badminton. It wouldn't matter.
0: You know, I always say uh, I don't care if ASU loses every single football game of the year as long as they beat the Wildcats. That's all that I care about.
1: Well, I can I can understand, but that's, that's the problem, Jay. Most of the people out of ASU, they're just haters.
0: <laughs> the one thing that I do hate, speaking of haters, <laughs> is when we do happen to beat you in football, then I get, well... We really cream you in basketball. <laughs> it's the comeback of every single wildcat. Well, we beat you in basketball.
1: Yeah, unfortunately though, that's that's becoming less of a uh, go-to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Goff, how you doing, buddy? It's uh, great to talk to you. Uh, how are things going over at Outdoor Two Way?
1: Oh, they they've been really really good. You know, we we created outdoor dot com to to really be kind of a resource. Uh, to reach out to people in the outdoors, not just hunters, but obviously to hunters as well, and really try to be an educational resource for people and help them kind of make better decisions. Uh, For example, buying, you know, two-way radios. Uh, There's a lot of misconception of what you're going to go buy at Walmart, that it's going to, you know, perform the way the kind of products perform that we provide.
0: What does outdoor2way.com, you know, what products and services do you guys provide?
1: Well, we, we really range with everything from, you know, commercial grade or even professional grade two way radios, uh, probably more the two, you know, commercial grade because professional grade wouldn't be necessary to spend that kind of money, but also satellite phones, uh, the spot communication, you know, emergency communication unit from uh, Global Star as well. Uh, cell boosters from Wilson, uh, also WeBoost, Um, and really about anything in between. It could be mobile radios, it could be antennas, uh, anything you need to set up, CB radios even.
0: You know, it seems like I run into people in the field all the time and I see on social media uh, outdoor2way.com and and it's, it's been great to see you be able to reach out to you know, guides and outfitters all across the West and, and hunters that I know, uh, you know, people traveling around, you you know, you're selling them satellite phones, uh, you're selling them radios, uh, your business has really expanded. What do you attribute that expansion and, and, you know, good, good growth to?
1: Well, first of all, let me at least pause a moment and give you some props. I got to thank you. You know, the help of, of good friends like you as well, helping kind of promote that name out there. When you look at the power of social media today, it's just, it, it it's almost still shocking to me how quickly uh, word can spread about what you do. Right. And I just think it comes down to, you know, Luke and I try to make sure we take care of the customers. That always has to come first. Uh, so if someone has an issue with a radio, you know, we, we, we take care of those things immediately uh, and take that, you know, very, very seriously. But I think it's also about really trying to work with other promotional partners like you to go out and educate. I mean, I think I learned a lot of that from watching you really taking the time to, to educate people and sharing knowledge and experience. I think that really connects to people and, and, and makes people really want to, you know, work with you.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Um, Cody, you guys handle anything from a guy that wants to buy, you know, two to four radios for him and his buddies to uh, corporations that you may sell, what, hundreds of radios uh, and systems. Um, maybe talk about your capability from a standpoint of being able to handle, uh, you know, large scale mining projects and, and companies. Uh sure. Uh, you know state and and county and local uh you know uh, you know companies yeah, you and what have you
1: yeah we do you know outdoor two acom is really the product of of a bigger company called aircom aircom's been around since nineteen seventy three uh, we're one of the largest uh, motorola dealers in the western u s We work with everybody from big oil and gas companies to big mining companies like freeport Macmarin. So, when we start looking at doing two way radio communications for let's say hunters that's very very basic simple, what they call simplex communication, which is just radio to radio we We do much larger compact you know complex systems with multiple repeaters that are trunked uh, so it's all intertied with controllers so much much more complicated in, in you know <coughs> emergency type communication uh, for companies that, that, that have to have it, uh, that it's really critical to their operations. So, so for us to do the, the, the hunting radio side, it's, it's really more of a, a fun part of it, right. To, to help people, uh, that love a lot of the same things that we're passionate about and being able to, you know, guide them into something that'll actually work for them. Yeah. You, know, you know, I hear a lot, a lot of <laughs> complaints about the little, uh, you know, consumer grade radios. People buy it like a Walmart. So, yeah, we're and it's like
0: <laughs> uh, the buck just went over the. <laughs> Did you
1: say the buck went over the
0: <laughs> the hill? <laughs> oh. Well,
1: that's the thing. It's
0: you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's horrible.
1: Well, exactly. It's you know, and it, I think it's a good kind of point in our conversation to talk about. You know, the a lot of the commercial or, or I'm sorry, consumer grade radios you buy. They run on what are called either g m r s or f r s frequencies <coughs> so the general the g m r s is the general mobile radio service okay f r s is the family radio service and these frequencies are set aside for general public use, so they're in everything from a Motorola talk about to a midway and it's not that those radios don't have their use because they do. But to expect more than a, a mile kind of coverage out of those, or if you lose start to really lose line of sight at all. Part of the issue in those radios, most of them, not all of them, but most of them are two watt radios, uh, which is, you know, really not enough to start getting me over the hilltop. You know, if I have too much terrain in between us, uh too many pine trees, well, it's not a strong enough signal to uh Really penetrate and, and, and get to the other side. Where, and that's why we promote the commercial grade radio, you're going to be running 4 watt in a UHF, 5 watt in a VHF. You're going to be able to have a lot more transmission power, a lot stronger reception to the signal. And frankly, you're just dealing with a product that's going to hold up longer. Uh, they're going to have the type of IP ratings for dust and water resistance. And let's be honest, you and know, I have hunted together many times. I, I could safely say we're not that, uh, you know, gentle on our gear.
0: <laughs> no, to say the least. So just just to back up a second, when you're talking watts, uh, just, you know, the, the cheapos that you can buy at Walmart or Costco or what have you, they're typically how many watts? And then if you step it up like some of the radios that I have, you know, what is the difference like in as far as coverage, you know, uh, line of sight, uh, you know, what have you?
1: Sure, sure. You know, and I get get that question from almost anybody that calls me for the first time to buy a a serious set of radios is, how far will these talk, right? That's almost always the first question. And you know, I always kind of open up with that of like, you know, I wish I had the crystal ball to read the the magic of radio frequency. And that's the tough thing in what we deal with, you know, not being able to see radio frequency and it having to technically be tested. You know, with very expensive equipment, by the way, you know, it, it's not always an easy answer. But when you, when you go back to these kind of store-bought, you know, devices, those are going to range anywhere from a half of a watt, to maybe two watts you're rare i rarely see uh you know a four or five watt handheld radio sold at, at the walmart's or the costco's of the world and yeah they're a lot less money but i think you know all of us will attest that have hunted long enough uh especially out west you get what you pay for in your gear and uh You know, the radios like you and I would be running, let's say like a Titan TR4X or a Motorola CP200D. You know, if you're running in UHF, those are four-watt radios. So they're at least twice, you know, the output power of those other smaller little consumer-grade radios. Uh, When you start talking to coverage on those, really coverage has to do with, with multiple things, one of it being the terrain, what's in between us, Okay. There's a reason when you look around different cities and parts of the world that repeaters are up on top of mountains it's because the radio signal won't travel up over the mountain and back down the other side. So that radio signal has to hit that repeater, that re- repeater hears it and then rebroadcasts it and retransmits it. So, you know, what I've found in running UHF like you and I both run, UHF is going to penetrate better than VHF or VHF bounces better. But VHF will give you better line of sight, but I can tell you from my own experience, even with you with the Motorola CP200, we could be 15 miles apart and tell you, hey, we found it, right? Because we have enough line of sight from one mountaintop to another. You're going to get enough power to do that. Now, that all then depends on the interference that's out there, right? But if we're out in these remote areas where we hunt most of the time, there's just not a lot of other radio interference. Yeah, there might be a rancher running some mobiles and some trucks, or might be some boats down on the lake somewhere by by where we're at. But other than that, there's just not going to be a lot of other radio inter- interference like you're going to find, let's say, in the core of of Phoenix. So when we start talking about the coverage, you know, if I buy a, uh, a Motorola talk about to expect it to go a mile, line of sight is probably more than you should expect. And uh, a lot of things get advertised interesting ways, that I can't, can't always explain, uh, and I get yeah. questions about that a lot. But it's like I tell them, I like, go, oh, I you know, I I don't have the money or the time to go fight that and uh, claim somebody's falsely advertising. But what I do know is, you know, we're the guys that take this gear out and use it. So that if I make a recommendation to somebody, it's something that I would use and I have used and that I have seen works. Um, but I know I can get. Out of a Titan TR4X from one mountaintop to another, I can get 10 miles, and I'm I'm running 4 watt in UHF.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, I've been impressed uh, with those um, Titan. Um, I believe I have the TR200. Uh, you could correct. Me. It might be the TR400. Uh, uh, TR4X.
1: Yeah, TR4X.
0: With, yeah. Um, and then I've also got, uh, Motorola, uh, CP 200 D's and you were able, let's talk a little bit about, you were able to program my different radios so that, that, that they all, will all talk together, even though some of the radios aren't the same manufacturer. Can you speak a little bit to sure. that?
1: Yeah, no, Absolutely. And, and that's a very very common question, and it's it's important to understand it. So, when you're running in commercial grade radios, you're either going to run in UHF or you're going to run in VHF. UHF is just ultra high frequency, VHF just means very high frequency. Okay, but what you cannot do from a radio to radio standpoint, which is what we call simplex communication. I cannot make VHF talk to UHF, and I cannot make UHF talk to VHF. Now, it doesn't matter on the manufacturer. We can make If two, or two different radios are in VHF, I can program them to talk to each other. Okay? And, and really in the programming, it, it, it becomes an important thing. So many of the new radios now with digital technology, they're capable of running in both digital and analog. Um, you can create different zones of them and have a zone that's just your analog channels, have a button program to change it and talk in digital on your digital channels. Um, And I think the important thing too, I get a lot of questions, you know, well, I I still want to be able to talk to my brother. He's got some Motorola talkabouts. Okay. Well, let's take the Motorola talk about it runs on GMRS frequencies. I can program those and match those by a code. And there's charts for all these things that you can access online, but you can program GMRS frequencies into a commercial-grade radio. There's nothing illegal about that. You don't have to have a license for that. But what you can't do, and there's a lot of misconception, I can't go back and just put your buddy has a set of licensed frequencies. I can't put that in your Garmin Rhino for you. That's a very common one I, I, I hear about is well no I can program my Garmin Rhino. No, you can't program your Garmin Rhino. You can change the frequency on a channel and a code. But it's still a set amount of frequencies and I could put those in any Motorola talk about. They're on the same exact frequencies. So it's important to know in the in the programming, you know, we do this a lot for hunters. We take all the beeps off of a radio. You can't just do that from the radio. you got to have a, a programming cable and you got to have the software to get in and see that. We can use buttons on the side that you hit for a long hold to change your zone and go from analog to digital. Um, there are adjustments you can make in what we call the accessory mic gain. So like in an earpiece, right, the sensitivity, I can adjust within that where that range needs to be. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot more to programming and, and, what we really call the code plug, which is not just your frequencies, but really the encompassing programming to that radio, uh, that a lot of people just don't get to see.
2: Gohunt.com insider is by far the most valuable tool a Western hunter could give themselves. They are the industry leader and number one source for Western hunting information for a lot of reasons. They have changed the game for how hunts and hunting information is found. Within a matter of minutes using filtering 2.0, you'll be able to filter by state, species, residency, odds of drawing a tag, specific hunting dates, harvest success percentages, to find the hunts that fit exactly what you're looking for. As an exclusive offer to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners, if you sign up for a GoHunt.com insider membership and use the J. Scott promo code at checkout, you'll receive a $50 Kuyu gift card or a choice of a $50 Sportsman's Warehouse gift card. Head on over to GoHunt.com Insider, click on the blue Join Now button, and get yourself the most valuable membership a hunter can have. Cody, let's take a quick break here. I have known the owners of the Outdoorsman's in Phoenix for over 20 years. They are the authority on optics and hunting gear. Outdoorsman's is the leading designer and manufacturer of high-quality tripods, mounting accessories, and pack systems for all hunters. Their customer service is the best in the business. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call 1-800-291-8065 and use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any products.
0: All right, Cody, let's talk a little bit about these radios as far as a price structure range um, from high to low, what people might be looking at. Um, and you know with that price, um, the longevity that you see with those radios and how much use they're going to get out of them. Sure. And we don't have to, you know, not specifics, but in general, I mean, I
1: I think you're, you're really kind of looking at, when we start looking into a quality commercial grade radios, uh, so again, at least a four watt, uh, portable radio, you're really going to be, to me, getting into a price range, you know, where you're going to be around $300 and, and, and even up, um, you know, there's there's lots of different models to, to certain radios. They have displays on them, and they have programmable buttons on the front, and I can program your name in it and see that I'm talking to you. But for the most part, I think it's unnecessary from a hunting aspect to, to spend that kind of money to have displays and other items. Um, you know, but when we start looking at the pricing, You know, it's shocking to most people, but it's like a automaker. You you really can't compare a a midway 2-watt portable radio to a Motorola CP200D. It is not an apples-to-apples product comparison. Um, You know, and it's just like in Titan. Titan makes a really bulletproof little 2-watt radio called the Titan TR200. I mean, you can throw that radio, and the battery will pop off and put the battery back on it, and it'll turn on. You know, it takes a lot to, to break that radio, Um, you know, but that's going to be in like a $200 range. And again, it's only a two-watt radio. So from a bow-hunting aspect, it can be a perfect little radio if you're going to be close with each other. Uh But to go expect that thing to talk five miles apart is, is just not going to happen. Um You know, but when we start looking at the longevity of radio, I think there's really two factors the most that we see because we have – full-time repair bench techs that are fixing radios, headsets, you name it. And I'd probably tell you 90% of the repairs that get done is internal damage to a radio that's water damage. It's almost the most common thing that we see. So I think it's an important thing when you look at buying a commercial-grade radio. You're going to have a higher rating in that as far as it being dust and water-resistant. a waterproof rating on a radio, but that means that the side seals for the accessory jack are sealed. A lot of those sometimes have a screw in them. That screw needs to be in. So, So if I have the earpiece or a mic screwed into it and dropped it in a bucket of water, it's not going to have the same ability to resist water as if I have the seal cap on it. Um, you know, so we're, we're very big, you know, we're hard on our radios, but, you know, if it's downpour and rain, we don't leave our radios strapped on the outside of our packs. Um, you know, they're just not going to take that much water over time and water not get in them. So, you know, it's an important thing I try to educate people on is to look at what they call the IP rating, you know, and to me, anything really under about an IP 55 is really just not going to hold up hunting a, a guy like yourself that's in the field that many days using them uh, i'd be surprised if anything under an ip55 could last a year um you know in in a lot of problems we see in radios people gotta understand well, the radios are a funny <laughs> a funny piece of technology and, and, and I, I i deal with this whether it's a big mine or it's just a couple of hunters over time radios become what i would say for lack of a better term out of tune Okay, we and we do this even with repeaters where we go in and we we do what's called realigning of of the signals. I just I just actually experienced this uh, with a new uh, hunter out of uh, Idaho. He's an outfitter and sent me. He just bought some of those Titan TR4Xs. Sent me one of his brother's uh, old Motorola talkabouts, and we were able to look at the code in the channel he wants to match to his new radios on on one of his channels and we program it in they won't talk to each other well the reason they're not talking to each other is that that old talk about so old that it's out of alignment so the frequency it should be on today it's actually now a completely different frequency and so it won't be- even talk
0: because to because it. it's been banged around and it's just well, part of it can part beaten. of it
1: can be get being banged around and part of it's just over time you know radios are like any other piece of equipment they got to be maintained and uh you know and then obviously there's battery life you know a lot of times i mean you could to this i know you've got motorola cp200s i know i have some old motorola cp200s that are 10 12 years old and the only thing i've ever had to do them was just change the batteries you know, because the batteries just aren't going to last that long. So so I think it's important, too, to look at how you hunt. These are all the kind of questions I ask guys when they're looking for radios. How they hunt, where they hunt, how long they're on them during the day. I, you know, to me, it's always worth spending another 20 bucks and get the high-cap battery that has a longer life out of it, you know, for daily use. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those factors that I think are important to look at and, and that certainly – dictate where those price points start at
0: i've got a question about uh you know outfitters and stuff that might have you know multiple guides and what have you and they're running around in their pickups they've also got their handhelds uh how much how much better are the uh let's call them you know in the truck radios sure. as far as you know um can oh, you Yeah, the talk mobile radios the mobile radio a lot further? They are they a lot stronger than handheld?
1: Yeah, the, the the mobile radios, whether they're VHF or UHF, now they make depending on the manufacturers, they make what they call low power versions of mobiles and they make high power versions of mobiles. And a, a high power mobile, like in UHF is blasting at 40 watts. In UHF it's blasting at 45 watts. That's like eight times what your portable is capable of.
0: Wow. So that's a big difference.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a big difference. I mean, I experienced this a couple of years ago with my good buddy hunting antelope. You know, we could be 20 miles apart, tons of hills and ridgelines between us spread out and be able to, you know, glass from close to the truck with the mobile on. When one of us found something good, tell the other, get in the truck and get over here. I mean, we're, we're, we're able to start talking much longer distances, you know, just because of the amount of output power.
0: So do you, do you um, deal with the guys like, say, on the Arizona Strip that have handheld radios? You would also recommend that they put the mobile radios in their trucks uh, so that, you know, multiple guides and what have you can be, you know, maybe connected with one guy that's in the truck that's able to relay a message, you know, to a guy thirty, forty miles away.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I think the the strip's a great example, right, where you can get guys spread out fifty miles apart, right? Uh, not not an uncommon thing to to experience up there. And so, you know, to have that ability to communicate, not just for hunting purposes, but I think even from a safety aspect, right. To be able to reach somebody in a pinch or if something was really critical, um, even if you just had a couple guys with mobiles in the trucks that were driving around that could almost, like you're saying, act as a relay, uh, the mobiles can be very, very effective at, at helping you transmit and communicate much longer distances.
0: Let's talk a little bit about um, your boosters. Um, I I know you also do. Is it the Wilsons? Um, yeah. I know I the the uh, cell phone boosters. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. tell me a little bit about those.
1: Sure. Well, and I think I think an important thing to know with the the, the cell boosters that the whole cellular boosting industry went through a lot of change with pressure from the big cellular providers. Okay, and and the reason being because we do big BDAs that are on towers just like you would do a big repeater um, that cover, you know, gigantic areas, right, for like oil and gas companies in the middle of nowhere. So when you start looking at like the booster that you would put in your truck, the thing to understand is a booster doesn't create a signal. You have to be able to be in a spot to at least have a signal. But But if I can get a bar... I can boost that and get a call out. Okay. So really for us, you know, we deal with Wilson. Uh you'll also see WeBoost, right? And WeBoost was really just a consumer rebranding of Wilson stuff. Um so they really are still the same company. You know, but I we're we're also able to, you know, even from a vehicle standpoint, if money's not the issue, you know, we can go to Wilson Line products. Uh, that are even more expensive and even stronger, but you know, it's like anything else, right? If it's better, you got to pay more for that product. Um, but you know, there there is a lot of misconception with cell boosters, like it's going to somehow create a cell signal for me, and, and really it won't. And the FCC and the, the providers really kind of came down where they had to kind of tone down more or less the capability of these boosters. Uh, because really what it was doing it was really affecting their towers and their boosters, you know, in an area. So uh, I'll give you an example, of like out in uh, North Dakota with the oil we're out there. You know, we, we did a lot of cell booster stuff for vehicles, uh, whether they were semi-trucks, pickup trucks, uh, vans they have out on projects. But we're also doing towers at, you know, some of their main yard locations in these towns because uh, these guys are ranging out. You know, 200 miles, well, where
0: without it, they, they don't have cell coverage. Yeah, you know, I've used my booster. Um, I get a lot of use out of it. And it, like you said, you can't just take no service and all of a sudden get a call out. And I've heard say, all oh, these cell phone boosters don't work. Well, if you're in an area that has no coverage at all, you're not going to get out. But you can get out a lot more places if you have a booster for dang sure.
1: Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, you and I have experienced that together, right? Where every evening you're driving up to the hill up here where we know we got a signal and we can boost it and make some calls home and and check in and let everybody know we're okay.
2: For sure. Let's take another quick break here. Phonescope is a company that makes custom molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Photographing wildlife has never been easier. It is simple to text photos and videos from your smartphone and share them with your friends. Phonescope stands behind their product with a 100% money back guarantee. Get yours now by using the J. Scott 16 promo code, and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at Phonescope, that's P-H-O-N-E-S-K-O-P-E dot com, or on Instagram, at Phonescope. Real Game Calls featuring the Elk Reel. Real Game Calls makes innovative, realistic, and easy-to-master calls using their proprietary, revolutionary design. They are located and manufactured in Gypsum, Colorado. Their calls were designed and battle-tested on some of the hardest-hunted terrain on Earth. Check out elkreal.com. Use the promo code JSCOTT and receive a 20% discount on all purchases. Go to www.elkreal.com. All right, let's talk about uh, satellite phones.
0: Uh, Cody, I've been using that Global Star GSP-1700, uh, and can, I can really say having a, a, the, the same phone back you know, 10 years ago, I have way less call drops. My cl- calls are clearer. Uh, I've really enjoyed having that phone over the last year, using it anywhere from, you know, Mexico to, you know, Unit 9 in Arizona to Colorado up on the river to, you know, uh, all over the place. Um, And in lots of places, I carry it in my pack, and I can, you know, basically call, check in um, at any time. And and as well, um, that phone kit, uh, excuse me, the, the, the car kit, yeah. um that 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 you hooked me up with um is is also pretty dang sweet because I can be driving down the road and talking on my sat phone and normally you have to be kind of in a stationary position um it, you know I've been impressed it they, they Global star says they put a billion dollars into their satellites I was just wondering if you could speak on what's going on there. Sure. Uh, with that uh, GSP uh, seventeen hundred and Global Star.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's you know for those that were using it like yourself ten years ago when when they were having to start taking down old satellites and get new ones up and kind of restructure their network, you know, it could be a pretty painful an experience you know experience in time there where people were very frustrated, right? And people just assumed, you know. Oh well, I got to go to this this one now. It's it's a better option, but the the reality is all those providers are going to have to go through those periods of time uh, when satellites have to come back down. So, you know, really, your two big choices out there are Global Star and Iridium. We work uh, only with Global Star, and the reason was that they really had to establish the newer network, and they really have the greater ground game. Because people have to also understand it's not just the satellite in the air. There's also a ground station that has to come back to you from a satellite that then gets dispersed through their network, right? And so, so it's very important to understand, you know, Global Star has way more ground stations. So if something goes down in one of their locations, they're actually able to kind of realign their network and keep everybody up and talking. You know, I think it, and there's, you know, there's just important things to understand with a satellite phone. It, it, it is not a cell phone. Right, you got to keep that antenna on your hand, holding it, pointed straight up in the air. You have to have at least a 30-degree angle view of the horizon in one of your directions. So if you get down in the bottom of a box canyon, it's not going to work. You know, so it's not a 100% solution, but I can tell you I I feel a lot better when I'm out in the middle of nowhere when I have it. Obviously, I, t- I take it for work because I travel to a lot of remote places, and a lot of times that's the only way I can get a call out. Uh, the car kit, like you mentioned, I, I recommend it to everybody. You know, a lot of people don't want to spend the money, but I think when they see it, and you do have that ability to be driving and talking on it, otherwise you're, you have to be outdoors to make a call off a sat phone, and if i got to make a call in the pouring rain and lightning, uh, I'd rather be doing that from in the truck personally. Um, I think an important thing to know, too, the antenna that you deploy, it's a mag-mount antenna that deploys out of the car kit, and it's a portable, what we call a portable docking station, so it'll plug into your cigarette lighter. You deploy on a, you know, it's got a coax, you just put it up on the roof, it sticks right to the roof of your truck. And that antenna is actually like three times stronger than the antenna on the phone. So you actually have a better chance of getting a call out and in while you're using that unit that way than you do just on the phone itself.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's been amazing. Uh, you, you told me get the car kit and, and I did. And, uh, you know, there's something about being out in the middle of nowhere where normally you don't get any cell service, you know, some of these, the Navajo, you know, coming across from Colorado to Arizona driving, uh, as I did yesterday, um, didn't happen to have my, I wasn't in my truck, but, in normal situations, um, I could be, you know, carrying on a business conversation or, or dealing, you know, with my outfitting business or what have you, driving right across, you know, 70, 80 mile stretches <laughs> where you don't have service, just like you have have service. And it's pretty sweet to, to you know, just continue business as normal, as usual well, there's uh, a, I mean, with that setup.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, for those that need to stay in communication for business, even when they're out hunting, I I, I think it's, my gosh, it, it it is the best solution that's out there today. Um, you know, you're going to deal, satellites move out of orbit, so if you're connected on one satellite, a call might drop and you might have to make the phone call again, right? And I, I have to have these conversations with people a lot, they get frustrated, but I think when you kind of explain it to them, they realize, look, this is still better than nothing. I mean, buddy, I've been driving through, middle of nowhere, Wyoming in a storm and been able, you know, a blizzard basically and been able to conduct business calls. Uh, I can't do that on my cell phone. I wish I could, but you know, it it, it does just at least offer you, I think if nothing else, when you're out there like that, you know, peace of mind that if if something did go wrong, you got a way to get somebody help if they need it. Um, That for me is, is probably the greatest, you know, asset that it offers.
0: Cody, what is it about the Iridium that makes that kind of gargled? If you've ever talked to someone on an Iridium phone, as opposed to a Global Star, the Iridium almost sounds like the person that's on the satellite phone is drunk. It's a real kind of slurred speech. Is, is it sure. the,
1: yeah. the,
0: the relay of the, of the, of yeah, the part of that's, that's
1: the delay in the relay. Um, you know, so let's say somebody you're talking to somebody on their home phone and you're on your sat phone up on the river fly fishing in Colorado. You know, part of that, you're gonna have a delay because again it's that that signal's going out to a satellite. It's coming back down to a ground station, basically another giant satellite dish. And then that's getting put pushed back across phone network, IP network, whatever, right? And so it can be a combination of a lot of things. It can be a combination of there being a lot of phone traffic in general on the phone lines. I mean, we run into that at times on our cell phone, right? Where you go to make a call and it says all circuits are busy. And you're like, how can that be? Well, that's because there's 10 million people making phone calls at the same time. And, uh, you know, so you can run into that as an issue with the satellite phones. So, you know, again, I think it's, It's important to note, is it going to be perfect like I'm sitting in my house on a uh, landline? No, Uh, but it certainly offers you a lot. And I can tell you, you know, 90% of the time for me, I'm able to have a a clear, you know, nice phone call.
0: Sure. Cody, let's talk a little bit about... um radio communication for hunting in the state of arizona it's perfectly legal i know there's some states i think montana it's not legal um from a hunting standpoint from your mind uh you know coos deer country mule deer you know big country uh what are some of the positives of being able to use a radio when when hunting
1: sure and i You know, I mean, believe me, I get plenty of, uh, I guess, naysayers that, oh, well, it's cheating, and, you know, the way I look at it in using radio, the the radio can't launch the arrow out of my bow, and it can't pull the trigger on a 500-yard shot and make me shoot accurately, Uh, you know, but it can certainly help you. I mean, you know the physical rigors of a lot of the country we get into here in Arizona, and... You know, I, I'll give you a great example The you know, hunting with a group of guys and friends last year, you know, when they found that buck that I ended up harvesting, it you know, I was five miles away from those guys. I had no cell coverage. So the only way we were able to communicate really was by two-way radio. So they were able to notify me, it saved me a lot of time, and really created an opportunity. Um, but it certainly didn't in any way you know, guarantee the deal, right? So... I, I think first and foremost, I know for us, it's a safety thing, being able to check in every hour and make sure everybody's okay. It's very common for us to get spread out, you know, several miles apart in an area and try to cover more ground effectively. Um, you know, B, obviously, I think from, from the aspect of stalking, uh, to help to help a guy, you know, it's hard when, if you're the guy up on top of the ridge behind the spotting scope and where the guy is down below you, stalking an animal a mile away, uh, things don't always look the same, and, and, and I know you you've experienced that even with me. So <laughs> and, <laughs> we uh, all have. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of frustration there, right? It builds up a lot of emotion, and I think it's it, it's a nice way to kind of talk through things and, and and keep people, you know, possibly from even getting themselves hurt. You know, so it, it's it's important to me. Uh, I I don't think it really gives any sort of an unfair advantage, um, but yet you know yeah there are states still like Montana that that do not allow it while hunting so it's important to know what your own state laws are. Uh, most states will allow it, but uh, you know you, you've got to be aware of, of where those rules apply. And and uh, you know for us we we try to use it more for just checking in with each other and then, you know, on that stock itself. uh, You know, but it gives us at least that peace of mind, uh, you know, if we've got somebody out there that maybe is not as physically capable, it's nice to be able to know they're okay.
0: Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this before in our other podcast that we did and there's definitely two trains of thought of, of, you know, the the people that are against using radios because they don't believe it's fair for the animals and that the animals don't have a chance. Okay. I'm, you know, probably not going to have a chance to persuade those people. They have their opinion and that's fine. Sure. Then there's the group out there that says, ah, if it, you know, if, if, if I can move in on a deer and someone else can watch it and, you know, I can know that I don't waste my whole day out there, uh you know and that the deer is moved and it you know he can tell me hey you spooked the buck he's gone come back over here um you know and then there's the whole record book issue of you know if you, if you harvest a you know fair chase boone and crockett pope and young they don't recognize it and that's that's all fine so i you know everybody has their opinion i would just say that there's you know, many ways to skin a cat. If you do choose to use a radio, great. And, um, you know, it can be a very efficient tool. We 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 talk about on this podcast and conversations are held every day on social media and buddies talking about uh, trying to be more efficient and, you know, reloading and, and, and shooting uh, custom ammo and, you know, uh, spending all the time tuning and, and getting your bow ready and being able to shoot, you know, further distances, being able to shoot more accurately, um, you know, having high-powered optics to be able to see better. Um, you know, if, if if you live in a state where, you know, using a radio is, is legal, uh, it can be an extremely fun way to hunt because you get to talk with your buddies and check in with your buddies and you can split up and, you know, go up on two different ridges and at, from a just fun aspect it you know you can split up and cover more country but still carry on a conversation with your buddy and, and enjoy your day so i mean there's there's
1: well, hey let's be so honest, many we, thought- we together we've all had a lot of uh fun times busting each other's chops out in the field right so
0: yeah I mean, a lot so- of
1: laughs and i think that's a great great you know point to, to point out i mean it's it is nice when you're when you're sitting out there solitary, alone up on top of some mesa, uh, not not hearing someone else's voice for eight hours can get uh, uh, you know a little lonely at times, and and I think it's I think it keeps you sharper. I, I think another aspect that really just kind of popped in my mind is what look the reality is sometimes we wound an animal, right? And if you do have someone watching, and they're able to keep track of it, and we're able to go track that animal back down and and really keep them from suffering longer term i think that's a great thing i don't think it's a bad thing Um, i mean
0: i've had certain exact circumstances where you know something's been hit and someone can say keep going go another 35 yards you just see that bush on your right look down there should be blood he walked right through there and all of a sudden you're back on your trail um so, I mean, I, I see all aspects. If you don't want to use a radio, fine. Don't use a radio. If your state <laughs> sure. doesn't allow it, fine. Um, but, you know, there are some some great advantages to using a radio. Um, and it's not my job or your job here to convince people of 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 that. They have to convince themselves either to or, or not to. Um, but I can tell you that, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people that have um, – you know started using a radio and it's making the hunt more enjoyable and let's face it uh we need as many hunters in the field as we can and if that will help people engage and you know stay in the hunt then then so be it uh you know it's uh i I think it's a lot of fun having a radio with you at all times
1: no, I I agree, and I think that's just it, I think it's an important thing to point out and address. And again, I I feel the same way. I, I respect those that don't want to use them that feel that it's somehow possibly unfair. Um, and and I respect that opinion. You know, it's not. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you're hunting a,
0: a yeah, but, if you're hunting a big giant buck and and you want to enter, it's important to you to enter it in Boone and Crockett. Don't use a radio. Well, exactly. I mean, if if you don't care about putting your animals in a record book then you know use a radio um yeah,
1: exactly it's, it, it's, it's it's a very individual thing and you know i mean here's, here's the thing i can tell i mean we end up taking my hunting radios to kids sporting events to different things we go on and outings right they just you end up using them for so many more things than just a, a hunting experience and and, and and you end up having a good time i mean it's when we're road tripping and we're in multiple vehicles, right? It's so it's nice to just have an open line of communication, not having to make calls back and forth, and uh, you know, so there's a lot of things with the radios. I think that that, that do make it fun, um, but again, it, to me, it, it really comes down to people need to stop and look at, you know, what am I doing for emergency preparedness? You you think it isn't going to happen to you or one of your buddies, but it, you know, it has for me, right? To where, we had to deal with with someone that got hurt, and you're, you're not close to the truck, and how are we going to deal with this? And to be able to get everybody back together and, and kind of collectively help somebody get out. And, you know, for me, it's and, and I know you, <laughs> you probably venture further in than, than anyone else I know, and I'm still trying to keep venturing further in. And, you know, I, I want to know I've got the peace of mind that if I get myself or someone else in a bad spot, that, that we have a way to get some help.
0: For sure. Cody, what um, hunts do you have coming up? Uh, I think you've got a deer tag in your pocket.
1: I do. I've got a, uh October uh, whitetail tag over in Unit 22 again, where I spend a lot of my time, so I'll be back at it. Uh, hitting it here pretty soon.
0: What is it about the coos deer that's got you and me wrapped up so so bad?
1: Well, you know, I probably have to take this moment and thank Cody Nelson for... You know, his dad that took us out Whitetail hunting for the first time in my life. I think I was about 15 years old, and uh, my dad was never really the big game hunter. He's more of a fisherman and a bird hunter. And and uh, I tell you what, it's there's not another animal I can think that I've hunted that is so frustrating to hunt that you love it, and it's such a hard thing to put into words. But I, I think the more I watch those deer and truly just how how cunning of an animal that is it's really under constant pressure of predators um there's just not another animal you can sit in glass and really intimately watch that takes two steps takes a bite off of a bush and then turns its head in a split second and looks over its back shoulder every 5 seconds <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, I mean, you're watching him at a thousand yards and you think he's looking right at you because, you know, every every little move you make, you think he hears you because he's looking in your direction. And it's really just their nature and how wary they are. And But, you know, Goff, to be honest with you, if uh, if every second of your waking day there was a lion that was about to jump on you, you'd probably be the same way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, you'd be exactly the same way.
1: Uh, it's, uh, well, you know, and I always laugh too, right, When the when the people that are anti-hunters or don't care for hunting and these poor defenseless deer i don't think most people really appreciate how tough even a little cow's deer is Uh, i can tell you i ain't going to try to go wrestle one with just my bare hands they're they're not weak (laughs) animals
0: yeah they're they're awesome animals well i'm excited to see how you do this year and i know you'll enjoy every second of your hunt and congrats on drawing a tag. Uh, I want to thank you for spending time and educating us uh, on all sorts of communications, and I want to give you a chance uh, to let people know where they can reach you, how they can get a hold of you, and uh, just uh, thank you for coming on here.
1: Well, and and Jay, thanks for all that you do, because I really respect, you know, the The way you go at what you do is it's not just going out and promoting something. I mean, I think you take the time to help educate and teach people. And I think that's what makes it worthwhile and and makes it fun, right? So, you know, if people want more information from us, obviously they can go to our website at outdoor2way.com, and that's just the number two. Uh, Or you can call me anytime. My number is 602 329 one seven seven three or you can email me at Cody at aircom dot com. All my contact information is on the outdoor two way.com as well and we just look forward to any way we can help you guys.
0: That sounds good. And just to be clear, I believe Cody at air is it Cody at Aircom COM is two Ms, correct? Two
1: Ms, yeah. So A I R C O M M dot com.
0: Okay. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, buddy, God bless, and uh, I'll be chatting at you down the road. And okay. uh, You too. Hopefully... I'm sure I'll
1: see you in the field this elk season, not too far away, buddy.
0: All right, buddy. Sounds great, and uh, knock them dead, okay?
1: All right, you too. Take care.
0: All right, bye.